Greetings, dear friend. This is Through the Bible. Let's look to the Lord in prayer before we continue our study in the book of John. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for our dear listeners. Oh, Master, I pray that you would tune their hearts and their minds to listen to your word. Speak, O Lord. We are your servants. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hello once again, dear friend. And uh, as we're looking at the book of John, we've completed the introduction and now before we proceed with each chapter and, of course, each verse, here's a broad division of the book of John. John chapter 1 right through to chapter 12, it's regarding the light. Then John 13 to 17, it is love. Then 18 to 21, it is life. Light, love and life. 1 to 12, then 13 to 17, and 18 to 21. I hope you can remember this. Light, love, and life. Now turn with me please to John chapter 1 and verse 1. Here we talk about the Word is God. The Word became flesh and the Word revealed God. Verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. The Gospel of John introduces the Lord Jesus Christ with three tremendous statements. Listen to it very carefully. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. That is the second point. And thirdly, and the Word was God. The Word is one of the highest and most profound titles of the Lord Jesus Christ. To determine the exact meaning is not very easy. Obviously, the Lord Jesus Christ is not the Logos of Greek philosophy. Rather, he is the member of the Hebrew scriptures. Notice how important the word is in the Old Testament. For example, or for instance, the name for Jehovah was never pronounced. It was such a holy word that they never used it at all. But this is the one who is the Word, and gathering up everything that was said of him in the Old Testament, he is now presented as the one in the beginning. This beginning antedates the very first words in the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. That beginning can be dated, although I do not believe that anyone can date it accurately. It is nonsense to say that it is 4004 BC, as Usher's dating has it. It probably goes back billions and billions of years. You see, you and I are dealing with the God of eternity. When you go back to creation, he is already there. And that is exactly the way this is used. In the beginning, millions and millions of years ago. Well, can you actually date it back? When you think of eternity, in the beginning was the word. Notice it is not is the word. Notice it is not is the word. It was not in the beginning that the word started out or was begotten. Dr. Lenski points out is known as a durative imperfect. Now listen carefully. Meaning continued action. It means that the word was in the beginning. What beginning? Just as far back as you want to go. The Bible says in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Genesis 1.1 Does that begin God? No. 
just keep on going back years and years prior to that. Billions, trillions, skillions, whatever you can call it. I can think back to billions of years back of creation. Maybe you can go beyond that. But but let's put down a point there. Billions and zillions of years back of creation. He already was. He comes out of eternity to meet us. He did not begin. In the beginning was the word. He was already there when the beginning was. Well, somebody says, there has to be a beginning somewhere. All right, wherever you begin. He is there to meet you. He is already, past tense. In the beginning was the word. Five words in the original language and there is not a man on the top side of this earth who can put a date on it or understand it or fathom it. This first tremendous statement starts off somewhere in space as you see. The second statement is this, And the word was with God. This makes it abundantly clear that he is separate and distinct from God the Father. You cannot identify him as God the Father because he is with God. But someone says, if he is with God, he is not God. The third statement sets us right. And the word was God. This is a clear, emphatic declaration that the Lord Jesus Christ is God. In fact, the Greek is more specific. It's more specific than this because in the Greek language, the important word is placed at the beginning of the sentence and it reads, God was the word. That is emphatic. You cannot get it more emphatic than that. Do you want to get rid of the deity of Christ? My friend, you cannot. You cannot get rid of it. The first three statements in John's gospel tie the thing down. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Now let's move on down to verse 14 and notice the three statements there. It says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now the statements here. The word was made flesh. Secondly, and the word dwelt among us, and he was full of grace and truth. The Greek philosopher probably would have stayed with us through verse 1, but he leaves us here. He would never agree that the word was made flesh. Now that's the Greek philosopher. The Greek language allows, allows us to put it more specifically and I think more accurately. The word was born flesh. Turn this over in your mind for a moment. Think with me. Here comes God out of eternity, already the ancient of days. But he also came to Bethlehem, a little baby thing that made a woman cry. And notice that John's gospel does not even mention his birth in Bethlehem. Do you know why? He is talking about one who is too big for Bethlehem. Out of eternity the word became flesh. And the word dwelt among us. Now that's the second statement in verse 14. Dwelt is from skeno. It means he pitched his tent among us. Our human bodies are merely little tents in which we live. The Apostle Paul used the same imagery. We know that if this tabernacle were dissolved, 
2 Corinthians 5.1. This house in which we live is a tabernacle, a tent that can be blown over in a night. It can be snuffed out in an instant. Because you and I live in these little tents, the God of eternity took upon himself a human body and thus pitched his tent down here among us. Such is the second tremendous statement. The third, notice the third. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now John is saying something else. The question I would naturally ask at this point is, if he was made flesh, he certainly limited himself. Did you get that? If he was made flesh, he certainly limited himself. John says, wait a minute, he was full of grace and truth. The word full means that you just could not have any more. He brought all the deity with him and he was full of grace and full of truth when he came down. Now verse 18, move on to verse 18. We find three statements again. No man hath seen God at any time, the only begotten Son which is in the bosom of the Father. He hath declared him. Notice the first. No man hath seen God at any time. Why? He will explain it in this gospel. The Lord Jesus will tell the woman at the well, God is spirit, and they that worship must worship him in spirit and in truth. That's John 4 verse 24. For God is spirit. No man has seen God at any time. What about the appearances in the Old Testament? God never revealed himself in the Old Testament to the eyes of man. What then? What then did they see? Well, go back and read the record. For instance, Jacob said that he saw God. But what he saw was the angel of the Lord who wrestled with him. That was a manifestation. But he did not see God because God is a spirit. No man had seen God at any time. Now the second statement is the only begotten son. The best Greek text is that of Nestle. This German scholar, he has come to the definite conclusion that it is not the only begotten son, but the only begotten God, <laughs> I prefer that also, which is in the bosom of the Father, tells us a great deal. He did not come from the head of God to reveal the wisdom of God. He did not come from the foot of God to be a servant of man. Have you ever noticed that although we speak of the fact that he was a servant, whose shoes did he ever shine? Did he ever run an errand for anybody? Well, he did not. He said, For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. John 6.38 He was God's servant. He came to serve him. And as he served the Savior, he served men. He did not come from the feet. He did not come from the head. It was from the bosom of the Father that he came. He came to reveal the heart of God. He was the only begotten Son which is in the bosom of the Father. The third statement completes verse 18. He hath declared him. The Greek word here is exegesato. Ago is to lead and ex is out. It means that what Jesus Christ did was to lead God out into the open. He hath declared him. Do you know anything bigger than that? A little trip to the moon is nothing in comparison. Here he comes out of eternity past. 
the God of this universe, the creator of everything, taking upon himself human flesh and bringing God out into the open, he hath declared him, so that men can know him. My friend, the only way in the world you can know him or you can know God is to know this one. You can know Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came to reveal God because he is God. I'm not through with these statements. There is something else here. Let's put together the first verse in each of these three groups and see what we come up with. Now listen. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was made flesh. No man had seen God at any time. You could not see God. God is spirit. He had to become flesh. He had to become one of us in order for us to know him. We could not go up there to understand him. But he had to come down here and bring God down to where we are. Now let's put the second statements together from each of the three groups. It says, The word was with God and dwelt among us. The only begotten Son which is in the bosom of the Father. Now consider this for a moment. The angels bowed down before him. He was with God on an equality with God. The Apostle Paul wrote of him, he said, He thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Philippians 2.6 That is, he did not go to school to become God. It was not something he worked overtime to attain. It was not a degree that he earned. He did not try to be God. He was God. I do not mean to be irreverent, but he did not say to the Father when he came to this earth, Keep your eye on Gabriel. He is after my job. Watch him while I am gone. Well, he didn't say that. He did not have to do that. Nobody could take his place. He was God. Here he comes, born in Bethlehem. A few little shepherds there. Not many. He goes up to Nazareth. Thirty years hidden away in Nazareth. God out of eternity coming down and going to Nazareth, working in a carpenter shop. Why? So that you can know God. The only way you will ever know him, my friend, is to know this one. The only begotten Son which is in the bosom of the Father is the only one who can reveal God to us. Now notice the third statement in each group. The word was God. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He hath declared him. When he was down here, he was still God, full of grace and truth. And he declared him. He is the only one who can lead him out in the open where we can get acquainted with him. We are not through with this. I want you to see something else. How do you divide up this universe? A scientist who is an authority on heat, who designed the shield that has been used on all spacecrafts to make their re-entry to the earth, said this, You know, this universe is made up of just three things. I believe that God has put his fingerprints on everything. <laughs> the Trinity is everywhere. Then he went on to explain what he meant. The universe is divided up into time, space and matter. Can you think of a fourth? The very interesting thing is that time, space and matter include everything that is in this universe as you and I know it. Then time can be divided into just three parts, past, present and future. Now can you think of a fourth? What about space? Length, 
breadth and height. Is there another direction? Also, there is in matter, energy, motion and phenomena. Those are the three divisions of the three divisions. The universe in which we live bears the mark of the Trinity. Now notice the way in which the incarnation is geared into this observation. Verse 1, time. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. Now that pertains to time. Space. The word was made flesh, became flesh, came down into space. Where? To Bethlehem, a little geographical spot. And even this earth was a pretty small spot for him to come to. And he pitched his tent here among us. We beheld his glory full of grace and truth. Now matter. No man had seen God at any time, the only begotten Son which is in the bosom of the Father. He hath declared him, because he became matter, became a man, took upon himself humanity. Men could see and know God. This is the time, space and matter of the Incarnation. Now let's divide each of these into three. Past, in the beginning, was the Word. Present, the Word was made or became flesh in our day. In future, no man had seen God at any time. The only begotten Son had declared Him. The Apostle Paul at the end of this life, of his life, said that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection, Philippians 3.10. That will be for the future, to really know Him. Today we actually know so little because we are finite. Then look at space divided into length, breadth and height. Length. In the beginning was the Word. Breath. He came down to this earth and was made flesh. And height. No man has seen God at any time, the only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father. He has come from the heights to set Him before us. Consider... Next, the divisions of matter, energy, motion and phenomena. Energy. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God. That's energy. How did this universe come into existence? God spoke. Every rational person has to confront this problem of how this universe began. That is the reason evolution has been popular. It offers to the natural man an explanation for the origin of the universe. You must have an explanation for it, if you do any thinking at all. Where did it come from? Well, here is the answer. In the beginning was the word. God spoke. That is the first thing that happened. When God speaks, when the word speaks, energy is translated into matter. What is atomic fission? It is matter translated back into energy. Poof! It disappears. Creation began with energy. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Motion. The Word was made flesh. He came out of heaven's glory and He came to this earth. Phenomena. The greatest phenomenon in this world is Jesus Christ. The wonders of the ancient world. The wonders to see in our day are nothing in comparison to the wonder of incarnation. God became man. These statements are bigger than any of us, and yet they are so simple. We have read them, probably memorized them, but yet no man can plumb the depths of them. 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. No man had seen God at any time, the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father. He hath declared Him. Verse 1, verse 14, and verse 18. Well, dear friend, I hope you were able to grasp these important principles about who God is. This might have gone over your head. I'm sure it probably would have, but that's God. Can we understand Him? Now, these three verses, however, are the great building blocks. In our next study, we'll be considering some of the cement that holds them together. God bless. 